Okay, so we are going to the book of Revelation, and before we get to chapter 8, which will be broadcast number 12, just a quick recap. Revelation 1.1 speaks about being a servant of the Lord, and ask yourself this, are you a servant of the Lord? And if you are, what are you doing for him right now? Revelation 1.3 speaks about those that read and hear the word of the Lord. Are you reading the word of the Lord? And if you are, you are greatly blessed. Revelation 1, 9 to 11, John was commissioned to write Revelation, which is reaffirmed over in 22, verse 8. Revelation 1, 20, seven stars are seven angels. Seven candlesticks are seven churches. Also from chapter 1, 12 to 13, the focus switches from seven golden candlesticks, being the churches, to one clothed, girt about the paps, being his chest with a golden girdle, which is a belt. And of course, gold is a type of deity. Revelation 3.12, Jesus will write his new name on those that overcome, quite possibly in their foreheads. Revelation 6.8-10, the 24 elders in heaven use musical instruments to sing and worship the Lord. The saved in glory also wear clothing. They, not the angels, are the redeemed. And finally, from chapter 6, verse 14 to 17, billionaires that own their own private islands won't escape the judgment of the Lord, referred to as the Great Tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, Jacob's trouble. And yes, the tribulation will be a global event, much like Noah's Ark was. So as I say, this will be broadcast number 12, and for today, let's start, if we may, in Revelation chapter 8. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour, 30 minutes. Now, 30 minutes is a long time. If you were to sit in a room for 30 minutes and look at the four walls, it would seem like forever. Also keep in mind that chapter 7 spoke about the 144,000 mobilized to preach the gospel. 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. Dan was omitted, as was Ephraim, both due to idolatry. So chapter 7 is very much put between chapter 6 and chapter 8. And that's pretty obvious, I know. But the point I want to make is this, that chapter 7 deals with the middle part of the tribulation. You see, from chapter 6, we were given the six seals. And then chapter 7 comes along, and there's no mention of the seventh seal. The seventh seal doesn't get mentioned until chapter 8, verse 1. So pitch this, if you will. You've got the Lamb in the third heaven, surrounded by cherubims, surrounded by the 24 elders representing the church and Israel. And he opens the seventh and final seal. And there is silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. It must have felt like forever. What's going to happen now? Two. And I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense. They should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. You've got an angel, very much, not necessarily interceding, but reflecting what is occurring on the earth. He's got a golden censer in his hand, and unto him was given much incense, that he should offer it, with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Tribulation saints. Over in Acts chapter 10, we have an account of a Roman centurion, a Gentile, who converts to Judaism. And he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying, and his prayers pay off. An angel is sent to him, and uh, he's told to 
seek out Peter, and he does so, and Peter shares the gospel with him, and he gets saved. But his prayers are referred to as a memorial, and it's like this. You can pray to the Lord for a certain request, a certain thing, and years could go by before he answers your prayer. But eventually, if it's his will, he will answer it. And therefore, this angel is very much almost doing the work of the high priest back in the Old Testament. You think of incense, Old Testament. You think of the altar here, very much a throwback to the Old Testament altar. But this is up in the third heaven. This is not on the earth. Look at verse 4. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Some commentators also believe that these prayers that are being cited here from 3 and 4 are a throwback to creation, which is an interesting thought. From creation to Calvary, from Calvary to the end of the millennium. I'm not sure about that. I will stick with what I just said, that it's probably in reference to tribulation saints, those that get saved in the tribulation, those that are martyred in the tribulation. But it's interesting, the account from Acts 10 again, looking at Cornelius. He converts to Judaism. He's not yet saved. And like I say, he's praying. And eventually, his prayer is answered. And he hears the gospel via Simon Peter. So this goes back also to whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. That's why this has been written to seven churches. Chapter 2, chapter 3. As somebody once said, this book isn't difficult to understand, it's difficult to believe. Because in many ways it's very easy to understand, and yet very difficult to truly comprehend. Verse 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Over in chapter 6, we have an account of those that have been martyred. In verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Tribulation saints, they've been martyred. Also from chapter 6, verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season, and to their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So their prayers are now going to be answered like Acts chapter 10 concerning Cornelius. So as one old lady once said, pray until you pray. Never give up praying. But in chapter 8, verse 5, this angel takes the censer, fills it with fire of the altar and casts it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake, a major earthquake. And I say this, and I'll say it now, if I may, that if you're not saved now, and you find yourself in the tribulation, look out. It's going to be almost impossible to get saved, and it's going to be almost impossible to serve the Lord. And I have to say that because some people think they can put off salvation, but the scripture says, Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Voices, thunderings, lightnings and an earthquake this will affect a multitude of people and yet keep chapter 7 in mind which we looked at last week concerning the 144,000 Jewish male virgins spiritual virgins yes but also literal virgins like the Lord Jesus Christ 
12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, which gives us 144,000. They will go through the tribulation, they will be sealed and kept saved. A great picture of church age saints that are sealed unto the day of redemption. Back in the Old Testament, the Lord was able to keep 7,000 from bowing the knee to Baal. And during the Great Tribulation, he will keep at least 144,000 Jewish male virgins slash evangelists to serve him, to worship him, to get people saved. But outside of that group of 144,000, millions upon millions, if not a billion plus, are going to be put to death. They're going to die because, as it says back in, uh, I think it's... Uh, Proverbs, those that hate me love death. From memory, I think it's Proverbs chapter 8. Look at verse 6 from Revelation chapter 8, please. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. Trumpets have been used throughout history to commence battle, to conclude battle. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you read about Joshua using trumpets to surround Jericho. And the British army still use trumpets today. Seven angels, a throwback to chapter one, referred to as seven spirits before the throne of the Lord. They got seven trumpets, literal trumpets. Don't spiritualize this. I know it's fair to say that when we get into hermeneutics that it can be a tricky subject, deciding which verses to take literally and which to spiritualize. But if you can take a verse literally, you should do so. 7. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. No trees, no oxygen, no oxygen, no life. This first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, almost like Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Now, as I say, the 144,000 have been preserved. They've been sealed. So this won't affect them, but it will affect everyone else on the earth. And like I say, if you take trees out of the equation, if you chop trees down, if you eliminate trees, that's going to cause people difficulty breathing. And on top of that, without oxygen for a prolonged period of time, you will die. So you get the picture. This is judgment. It's long overdue, according to chapter 6. Look at verse 8. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain, burning with fire, was cast into the sea. And a third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. Now, once you take out vegetation, once you take out animal life, once you take out basic food, people are going to starve, which goes back to, I think it was chapter 6, about a measure of wheat for a penny, verse 6, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine, very much picturing an increase in inflation, and I gave the account from chapter 6 about what happened in Germany, in 1945, inflation shot up. People were eating animals at the zoo in Berlin just to survive. This is also mentioned in James chapter 5. 
but from chapter 8, verse 9, a third part of the creatures which were in the sea, and had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. Some have also suggested that cannibalism will very much come into play throughout the Great Tribulation. That's possible. We do know from records that when the Jewish temple was destroyed in 70 AD, that Jewish parents, Jewish mothers specifically, were eating their children to survive. In fact, there's an account back in the Old Testament when, uh, I think it was Elijah, was preaching against apostasy and the city of Samaria was surrounded, laid siege, a bit like Stalingrad. And at least one account from that, sorry, saga tells us about a lady who decided to eat her own child and her neighbor's child to survive. So if that can happen back in the Old Testament, if that can happen during the intertestimonial period, 70 AD, then why can't it happen in the tribulation? On top of that, a third part of the ships were destroyed. No mention of aircraft. It could just be that during the tribulation, there could be a global no-fly zone. That's one option. Or secondly, according to Zechariah, I think it's chapter 14 from memory, it speaks about some kind of nuclear fallout. It speaks about their eyes in their sockets receding away. So it could just be that during the tribulation, some nuclear strike will pretty much destroy all aircraft. And therefore, man will go back to basics, back to the seas, the seven seas, the power, the memories of the days of the British Empire. But a third part of the ships were destroyed. You see, without ships, you can't get food from A to B. And that's what happened back in 1939 to 1941. Britain was very much on her knees. And if it hadn't been for Canada, especially, and the Royal Navy, but especially the Merchant Navy sending supplies to Britain, Britain could quite possibly have starved. That's how serious it was. In fact, it was nearly two years before America came into the war. But Canada stood firm with Britain, as did uh, Australia and New Zealand. But take the ships out of the equation, take the marine life out of the equation, take oxygen out of the equation, you've got an awful picture of famine, pestilence, people starving to death, and as a result, quite possibly, turning to cannibalism to survive. Awful thought. But look at verse 10 from chapter 8. And a third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters, because they were made bitter. Keep your hand in Revelation chapter 8, and go back to Mark chapter 16. Now in Mark chapter 16, all of your modern Bibles flag up, these verses which I'm about to read to suggest that they're not reliable that they don't belong in your King James Bible that of course is incorrect they are very much relevant and authentic and deserve to be in your King James Bible but these verses from Mark chapter 16 get quoted by the charismatic brigade and those that hold to signs and wonders being for today look at verse 16 please he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. Very quickly, you're saved by believing on the Lord. 
and trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection, and you are damned by not believing in such. Okay. 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, in the context, this is aimed at the apostles. The Lord is speaking to the apostles. There's no one else present. And he says, if you believe in my name, because you were told over in Matthew 28 how some didn't believe. A great picture of the honesty of scripture, by the way. How they were cast out devils. Peter would do this, as would Paul. They shall speak with new tongues. The apostles, Acts chapter 1, going into Acts chapter 2, concerning the day of Pentecost, spoke with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. That partly uh, occurred with Paul at the end of Acts of the Apostles. But look at the latter part of 18. Semicolon. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now the latter part of 18 could be in reference to James chapter 5. But James chapter 5 is speaking primarily about spiritual healing. Concerning those that were suffering terribly during the first century. And yet I won't rule out that it can be in reference to physical healing as well. But I'm more interested for this morning's study concerning, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, if you read through the book of Acts carefully, and I just spent 59 weeks going through Acts of the Apostles, I was unable to find any apostle or disciple or associate of the apostles or those that knew the Lord personally that ever drank anything deadly and were able to survive. So I think that part from uh, Mark 16 will be in reference to the 144,000 because they will have to drink water to survive during the tribulation and as a result won't perish. Almighty God was able to keep the children of Israel safe in the wilderness for 40 years. He'll have no problem whatsoever keeping the 144,000 safe during the great tribulation. Go back to Revelation chapter 8 verse 10 again. And the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter, poisonous as well. So the 144,000 will claim Mark 16, verses 16 to 18, for themselves. That scripture is primarily, doctrinally, aimed at the 144,000, which again are Jewish, male, virgin, evangelists. Not Jehovah's Witnesses, not Mormons, not Catholic priests, not you or I, but the 144,000 being Jewish men. And also from Mark 16, as a quick footnote, you're not saved by being baptized, and neither are you damned for not being baptized. You are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are damned by not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Very important that I clarify that. Revelation 8, look at verse 12, please. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten, and a third part of the moon, and a third part of the stars, so as a third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. It's going to be practically pitch black for a third of the globe. Now when the Lord hung on a cross for six hours, we know from secular history that there was an eclipse. And that eclipse was witnessed in Rome. So what happened 
back in 30 AD concerning our Saviour dying on a cross naked, which turned the world into pitch black. And maybe it was seen beyond Italy, I don't know, but I can think of at least one account where it was seen in Italy. It's going to once again occur in the tribulation. But only a third part of the moon will be affected, and a third part of the stars, so as a third part of them was darkened, and the day shall not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. It's going to be terrifying. If you've ever experienced a blackout, if you've ever experienced fire, or lightning, or a terrible disaster, that's bad enough. But this is going to be for a prolonged period of time. On top of that, you were told very clearly from the latter parts of chapter 6, verses 14 to 17, that those that experience this judgment from the Lord know that it's coming from the Lord. And yet, in spite of that, they will not repent. They cling to their sin. Because, according to John chapter 3, men love darkness rather than light. Verse 13, and I will conclude. And I beheld and heard an angel fly through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Now, I will say this, that although this is a bleak period of time, and although, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Almighty God will send out strong delusion on those that refuse to believe the truth, being Christ, and as a result will perish in their own sin, it's still possible for those to be saved throughout this period of time. And I'll discuss that further when we get to the mark of the beast. So although these 13 verses are pretty grim and difficult to really understand, it's not too late for those that find themselves in the tribulation to be saved. And yet it's going to be very difficult to get saved. Deception will be widespread. The churches, which were not raptured, are going to be working with the Antichrist and the false prophet. Governments will be working very much in concordance with the churches. The Antichrist will be very much calling the shots. The media will be working hand in hand with the Antichrist as well. That's why I said at the beginning of this broadcast how it's going to be almost impossible to get saved and to really understand what is going on. And yet, for those that find themselves in the tribulation and get saved, Almighty God will keep you saved. I want to say that because some of my dispensational brethren teach that when the tribulation begins, you're not saved by faith in Christ alone. They believe that you are saved by faith and works. And they go to Matthew 24, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved, to prove that it's a faith and works package. Of course, Matthew 24 is not speaking about salvation. It's speaking about enduring to the end of the tribulation, to those that find themselves in the tribulation, uh, so as not to become completely washed up or completely engulfed with apostasy, not salvation per se. And such also hold to faith and works pre the church. And I've made the case over the years that if we were to all arrive in eternity at the same time, which isn't going to happen that way, but if we were all to arrive in eternity at the same time, and you've got the Old Testament crowd that are bragging about being saved by their faith and works. And then the church age crowd arrive, saved by the blood of Christ alone. And then the tribulation saints arrive, saved by their faith and works. It creates a two-tier system. You mean to tell me you are saved by believing alone? That's easy believism, is it not? Well, I was saved by faith and works. 
which is what the Lordship Salvation crew also teach for today. Now you were told that grace is what saves sinners and it's all of the Lord. Old Testament, church age saints, tribulation saints, and quite possibly even millennial saints. And I will discuss that further when we get to the latter chapters of the book of Revelation. But for today, for broadcast number 12, you've had a very general a look at 13 verses. And I will be honest with you and say that even up until 20 minutes before recording uh, today's message, I was still trying to work out these verses, just how to understand them, how to teach them. And even the commentaries are somewhat silent when it comes to offering a detailed exegesis. What we can say for certain is that these verses are aimed at the occupants of the earth after the rapture of the church, which took place in chapter 4. The church is in heaven. During the tribulation, you've got seven angels or seven trumpets which are broadcasting, um, declaring absolute devastation to those that are on the earth. You've got fire and blood and hailstones being fired from heaven down to earth a third part are going to be destroyed concerning animal life ships and the seas people will either die through famine starvation or they will survive through cannibalism an awful thought but 10 and 11 speaks about a star called wormwood falling from heaven and as a result Many men die because the water has been contaminated. But the 144,000, according to chapter 7 and Mark 16, are going to be kept safe, preserved. They are a special class of people. 12, 13, you've got uh, the fourth angel sounding. And as a result, the third part of the sun was smitten. And a third part of the moon and a third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. Terrible, terrible, terrible piece of scripture to read, and to try and comprehend. And yet, such people were not saved pre the rapture of the church, didn't want to be saved pre the rapture of the church, and therefore, they're going to get their comeuppance. They're going to get what they deserve. 13, one final time, and I beheld, John speaking, and heard an angel fly through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels, which are yet to sound. He's saying, you thought this was bad? Look out for chapters 9, chapters 10, and chapters 11. So chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, and even skirmishing chapter 12 are going to further describe this awful worldwide picture of judgment and fiery indignation from Almighty God, which has occurred due to the Lamb, chapter 5, seen in the midst of the throne of the Father, opening the seven seals, and as a result, over one billion people will be dead by the end of the book of Revelation. <laughs> 